0: Raise your hand if you have ever been afraid of something. I saw a few hands. Interesting. I need to ask what your secret is. Raise your hand if something you've ever been afraid of has stopped you from living a normal kind of life, like has has prevented you from a daily life normal routine at times, not like permanently, but it could be like a season or something like that. Okay, yeah. You can put your hands down if you still have it up. I don't think anybody does. That's good. So I'm going to tell you about a time that I had a crippling fear. Okay. I uh, was a kid at the time. I think I was uh, less than eight, but I, I'm not exactly sure. So one day I ended up watching a movie with my dad. I don't remember which movie it was for sure, but I'm like 90% positive it was either The Abyss or Leviathan which, ironically, both came out in 1989 and are older than I am. So both are sci-fi movies uh, that involve submarines and unknown creatures that are causing problems. I, I'm having a hard time distinguishing between the two because I obviously didn't want to watch it again. It was, I we'll get into that in a second. So what I do remember, I asked my dad. He didn't remember which one it was. He thought it may be The Abyss, but not sure. Whatever the case, what I remember is that after watching the movie, is that there were these um, creatures, some underwater monster of some kind. And I think it was Leviathan, in my opinion. But not sure. Anyway, this creature... Remember, this is my memory. I'm not sure this is accurate to the movie. So in my mind, what I remember is there was this creature that was moving through the submarine like water pipes in the submarine, like getting from room to room. They thought they would lock it off, but it didn't work. And they would end up with attacking these people through the water pipes. It would, like, follow them wherever they went. And this creature uh, moving through the water pipes developed a fear in me. It's kind of embarrassing, but I want to be very transparent with you guys. After watching this movie, I was afraid to use the bathroom. (laughs) Particularly number two. And stop laughing. It's not funny. Serious. Hey! Hey! (laughs) So you see, in my little mind, I rationalized that I was very vulnerable to attack from this creature when I was sitting on the toilet. And I was afraid that while I was doing my business that this creature was going to swim up the drain pipe and attack me in the bathroom. So I'm not sure how long this fear went on. It lasted at least a few weeks, like legitimately a few weeks and maybe even over a month. So every time I used the bathroom, I had to like amp myself up to like go and sit on the toilet, which is just ridiculous. And obviously I didn't stick around very long. I was very nervous. The, the amazing thing was though, that my dad saw the exact same movie, but he did not have any tro- trouble logging an entry in the bathroom, if you want to call it that, if you know what I'm saying. So <laughs> as a kid, I was terrified of using the bathroom. I couldn't help but notice that my dad had no fear to go to the bathroom. He confidently and boldly walked into the bathroom like there was no monster that was going to attack him through the drain while well, he was very vulnerable. So, how could my dad and I see the exact same thing but have totally different reactions? It was something that puzzled my little brain, to be honest. I, I was just a little kid. I didn't really understand what was going on. To be clear, I'm, ov- I'm over that fear now. Okay, I, I moved past that. It has left and lasting impact on my psyche, obviously. I remember it very clearly. I don't remember the movie that well. I just remember what it did to me after. So looking back on it now, my dad knew that the monster wasn't real. He knew that there was nothing to worry about. He knew that using the restroom was safe. Well, at least from the monster, I don't know what else he had going on. But at least from the monster, he was safe using the bathroom. And the difference between me and him was not our experience, but our knowledge and our perspective. Right? We had the same experience. We saw the same thing, but because of our difference in knowledge and perspective, the situation changed. So you've probably experienced something like this in your life as well. So maybe uh, you were afraid of something when someone else wasn't. Maybe... You've helped a kid, uh, maybe one of your own kids or another kid, get through a fear that they were afraid of and you weren't. Maybe you've just been in awe as you saw someone climb a tall tree and they didn't care, but you're afraid of heights. Or maybe if someone pet a snake and you're just like, Ugh, I'm going to die right now just watching you do that, and the other person is totally fine. Uh, so you get the point. Oftentimes, fear comes down to the unknown is usually what causes fear. So you don't know if that snake is venomous. You don't know if it's going to try squiggling up your arm into your shirt, and you're going to freak out. You don't know if the mouse escaped and made it into your room so you can't sleep. You don't know if the person, how they're going to react when you have to tell them some bad news, so you're afraid of that conversation. You know, the list goes on. But in the case of our Bible story today, the people didn't know if their boat was going to capsize in a storm. And so they were afraid to die. So today we're going to be continuing our series that we started last week at Outdoor Church called Jesus Asked. We're going to be looking at questions that Jesus asked, what they meant to us and how they changed our lives. So this morning we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, when Jesus calms the storm. If you would go ahead and turn there with me. We're going to be starting in verse 35. On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling up. So just stop there for a second. So Jesus decides that it's time for them to cross over the Sea of Galilee, which is a freshwater lake that is located on the east side of Israel, and it is very tiny compared to Lake Michigan. I mean, it's like a drop of water compared to Lake Michigan, but it's the largest freshwater lake in Israel, and it can reach a depth of 150 feet, which is, I mean, it's a very sizable lake, and it is very deep. And because of the topography surrounding the Sea of Galilee, it had these interesting hill formations. Because of that, the wind uh, could very quickly change. And the conditions on the lake can change very quickly. And it can be very dangerous. And of course, many of Jesus' disciples actually grew up on the Sea of Galilee. And some of them were actually experienced fishermen on that lake. So they had experience with this water. It's not like this is the first time they're ever out there. They know what they're doing. So, it wasn't even unreasonable to think that maybe some of the disciples even knew people who died on that lake in storms just like they were experiencing. So, that helps us put ourselves in their shoes a little bit. So, things start to get tense. The boat is filling up, the the waves are crashing over, and this is not a good situation. And everyone knows it except apparently Jesus. Okay? So, everybody's like, we're all going to die. This is terrible. And Jesus isn't worried. Obviously, look at verse 38 here. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So look at the stark dichotomy here between the disciples' reaction to the situation and to Jesus' reaction to the situation. The disciples were absolutely freaking out. They thought they were going to die, the brink of death. While on the other hand, Jesus is in the stern of the boat, sleeping the storm away like a cat who's cuddling in the one beam of light that comes in the window. He's just like, this is no problem. Just a normal day sleeping. So out of curiosity, have you guys ever been on a boat in choppy waters? Who's ever been like on a boat where it's getting pretty rough? Okay. It's not fun. I was on a fishing trip with my church when I was a teenager. We were in Lake Erie. And things started to get pretty rough. Uh, it was actually John Linder who ended up throwing up on the boat. <laughs> but uh, things were getting pr- pretty rough. If we weren't as close to shore as we were, I would have gotten really nervous. I mean, water is scary, man. It, you can't breathe under that stuff. It just doesn't work. I've tried. And when you're on a large body of water, and there is like, you, I mean, you just feel helpless. I mean, there's nothing you can do. It's, you, you, if something goes wrong, that's it. Now imagine being one of the disciples, especially try to imagine being someone like Peter or Andrew, who were professional fishermen, who knew this lake, who knew the odds of survival. If you were one of them who had all this experience, you might be thinking at this point that Jesus is absolutely crazy for sleeping through this storm. And it, it makes the disciples' question make a lot of sense. I mean, that makes just perfect sense to us. They say, do you not care that we're dying? Like, hello? I mean, it seems like a valid question. The boat is filling up with water. We're about to capsize, and you're taking a nap? What is going on? At least, like, help us by, like, scooping water out with your hands. Just like, you know, like, at least do something to help with the situation. Just don't take a nap. But Jesus takes this moment of fear with the disciples. And he doesn't use it to stir them up into a frenzy or he doesn't confirm their fear. He takes it, the fear and the vulnerability, and he uses it to teach. So Jesus does a, what Jesus does and performs a miracle. Right? And so imagine like you're in this heavy storm. If you've ever been on, imagine that time you are on the choppy water in the boat and then all of a sudden at the sound of a word, everything goes, whew, and the lake turns into like glass. Just everything. Obviously, you, you would be at a loss for words. <laughs> I mean, you'd be absolutely shocked. And then, on top of that, Jesus looks at you and he asks you some very interesting questions. Why are you afraid? Where is your faith? The obvious answer is because the waves were crashing over the boat, it was filling up with water, and they were about to die. That is the obvious answer to why were you afraid? Why are you afraid? It seems like Jesus is a little bit dense when he asks that question, right? But then he performs this miracle, and everything changes. And what Jesus is trying to get them to understand is that there is something beyond what they can see. There is something beyond what they know. It's like when I watched the scary movie when I was a kid. Right? I rationalized by my knowledge and my understanding that this scary monster was going to attack me while I was using the bathroom. But my dad's superior knowledge and understanding made him completely comfortable in the bathroom. No scary monster was going to stop him. And the disciples were looking at the storm with their eyes as this scary monster with the understanding and the experience that they had. But Jesus is trying to get them to look at the storm differently, like he does, to realize what it means to be at the side of the Messiah. He's trying to get the disciples to understand that things are different now. That's not the only time in the Bible that this kind of thing has happened, though. So, you might remember the prophet Elijah from 2 Kings uh, 6. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to paraphrase the story. But you're more than welcome to if you'd like to. So there's this prophet named Elijah. And there is this king um, of Aram, which is a neighboring country of Israel. And the king of Aram wanted to wage war against Israel. And so the king of Aram sets up these ambushes and these traps. And he's going to trap the army of Israel, and the king of Israel is going to kill them. But every single time he makes one of these plans, God hears it, obviously. He tells Elisha, and Elisha passes it along to the king of Israel, and the Israelites avoid the Armenian army, excuse me, the Aramean army. And this really starts to confuse the king of Aram. And it really starts to annoy him. In fact, it happens so often. And so precisely that he holds a meeting. He gets all of his officers together and he asks them, which one of you is the mole? Like, who is feeding the king of Israel this information? He is sure that someone is leaking what they're doing in their war meetings to the king of Israel. One of the officers, I imagine, kind of like sheepishly, like, hey, uh, it, it isn't us. They have this prophet named Elijah and he can hear everything. He knows what's going on. He even knows what's going on in your bedroom, what you say in your own secrecy and privacy. And so the king of Ram's like, okay, fine. We'll kill this prophet. Ah, yes, the perfect solution. <laughs> I don't know why he was thinking that. He hasn't been able to get a drop on Israel up to this point. All of a sudden he thinks he's going to be able to get a drop on the prophet who's giving him this information. Anyway, he doesn't seem like the brightest plan, but they go through with it. So the Aramean army, they find Elisha. They surround him during the night. And then in the morning, Elijah's servant gets up and, and walks out of the tent. I imagine like, he's just like, just getting up. And he's rubbing his eyes and he just like, kind of looks up at the hill and all of a sudden, whoa, like, there's chariots and there's horsemen. And they, he looks around, and they're all around him, right? Completely surrounding him. So he runs back in. He's like, yo, Elijah, we're surrounded. Wake up. Uh, we're we're going to die. And I imagine Elijah's just super chill. He's probably just still laying on his cot. His eyes are probably still closed. He's like, don't worry about it, man. It's totally fine. We have a bigger armor than they do. And, of course, that dumbfounds the servant. He's like, I can imagine he's just like, are you stupid, Elijah? Like, it's just me and you. And there's a bunch of people out there. And then Elijah says a prayer to God. He says, open the eyes of my servant that he can see what is going on. And then just like that, I'm sure the servant just walks back outside, and then all of a sudden, he sees the reality. There are horses and chariots of fire surrounding them, the army of the living God. And he's probably like, oh, okay, I get it. And the story goes on, and the Aramean army gets whooped, uh, but not by warfare, but by... uh, Psychological tactics, they're blinded and they're taken into the center of Israel and they are given food and they let them go. And I imagine after that, they're like, okay, we're not going to mess with this guy anymore. He blinded us, fed us and sent us home. Like, okay, we're good. But the point is, I think Elijah's prayer, where he says, let them see the reality. I think that's exactly what Jesus is trying to do when he asks them, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Jesus is trying to get them to think not like the men that they are, but that the men of God he wants them to be. Right? He, he's trying to shift how they view the world. He wanted them to think like Elijah and not like the servant. He wants them to think like he does, to trust in him, to see the world like him. So, what do these questions of Jesus have to teach us? Number one, our fear and knowledge are linked. Like with my fear of the monster in the pipes, the the servant's fear of the army surrounding the disciple, and the disciple's fear of the storm. What we know changes how we feel about the situation. My dad knew there was no monster in the pipes. Elijah knew that God's army was surrounding them. And Jesus knew that God was going to provide a way through the storm. So what fears do you have in your life? That's the question. What situations or obstacles are causing you to fear, for you to worry, for you to be anxious? And how does the story we read today change your view of that situation? So imagine yourself in, the, in a tough situation, which might not be hard. I realized how the sentence was confusing. <laughs> imagine yourself in a tough situation, which you might be going through right now, and then imagine Jesus who turns to you and he asks, why are you afraid? What are you afraid of? Just like with the disciples, the obvious answer is usually right in front of us. It's the thing that's causing the fear. It's, it's this conversation. It's this financial hardship. It's uh, this mountain lion that's about to jump on me. You know, like, it can be a lot of things. And it's usually really obvious. And when that happens, we need to be willing to see the big picture. Right, we need to be willing to take a step back and look at the things and look at things the way that Jesus did. To look past the immediate and see the big picture, which is number two. So it's not wrong. It's not wrong for us to be worried. It's not wrong for us to recognize danger. The the same disciples, for example, who were losing their minds in fear on the boat, were also the same disciples who stood in front of the people who killed Jesus. And continued to preach him as the Messiah. So after Jesus' resurrection. There were many times that the disciples of Jesus were thrown in prison. They were beaten. They were persecuted. They were threatened to death. Their, their lives were on the line. Which the situation is the same. and The both are the same men. The boat was going to kill them. These people might kill them. But what changed. Is their understanding. It's. The big picture. It's the reality of Jesus in their life. They had to learn what kind of power was protecting them and guiding them so that they can see the big picture in the midst of this danger. So while we find ourselves in dangerous situations, fear doesn't have to crush us in that moment because we can see the big picture. Number three, remember that Jesus is a miracle worker. There is a power on your side that is beyond even your wildest imagination. I think we often don't truly understand what it means to have God's Spirit dwelling in us and to be a part of the household of faith. The access we have, the power that is in us, is literally the exact same power that calmed the storm that day, that turned this raging storm into a sea of glass. And one way or another, God is going to make sure that things work out for the good of his people, that his plans are going to be accomplished. That does not mean, though, that every single one of our situations are going to be solved. That doesn't mean our storms are going to be calmed. After all, the disciples of Jesus went through terrible persecution, and that wasn't fixed. They went without miracle intervention to their deaths. Many of them died. With faith, and you may be asking, "How is that the same as when Jesus performs a miracle?" Well, I think the miracle is itself dying with faith, like being able to live through that with love for the people who are killing you in the midst of it, so to be able to live and love through things that normally crush people, that is a miracle. that is a transformation of the heart that nothing else can do. That in and of itself is a miracle. So miracles and power don't just come through calming storms and raising people from the dead. They happen all around us every day in the small things, in the conversations that we have, in the boldness that we have. And of course there are other miracles too. Literal miracles like illnesses being healed and things like that. So when we are faced with fear, we should ask ourselves the same question that Jesus asked. Why are we afraid and where's our faith? And if we can see the danger and we can see the big picture beyond the danger and we can realize the power is on our side, that fear changes in us. Fear no longer controls us. Fear no longer stops us. Fear simply becomes a reminder of the almighty, almighty God that we serve and his power over this world. When we see something that's scary hard, we can remember God is greater than that. So the next time you're afraid, go to Jesus and let him calm your storm. Have faith that he is going to get you through it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to look at the words of your son, to understand the questions that he asked and how they taught us and how they teach us and change our lives. I just pray that you grant us understanding and boldness as we go in the week to look at danger and remember you and your power. And it's in the amazing name of your Son that we pray. Amen.